us pray again. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word and we pray that as we look again at this amazing sermon that the Lord Jesus gave, that you would open our eyes and our hearts and our minds, that we may see clearly, understand and believe and then live as your saved people. Amen. Well, there was a United States tobacco company who was in the news, and for once, the news was unrelated to cancer. Uh, For this tobacco company, it was in the news because it had spent 115 million US dollars on charity. Wow, fantastic. You kind of look at that and think, that is great news. What philanthropy, what generosity. This company is obviously a responsible corporate citizen. Or is it? You see, as the news continued, you found out that the tobacco company had spent a lot of money on publicising its generosity. In fact, it had spent $150 million US on television ads telling of their own good deeds. So yes, if you've done the maths already, you would have worked out that they spent more money telling people their good deeds than actually doing their good deeds. Hmm does slightly tarnish it somewhat, doesn't it? They appear to be giving away money, but in reality, well, they're hoping to reap real rewards later. That is, they're making sure with their advertising that they receive their reward in full. It's really a careful investment in their corporate image rather than generosity. But if we're going to be honest, we would say that American tobacco companies aren't the only ones to do this kind of thing, are they? I'm sure we can all think of several high-profile Australian companies that do similar things. And not just companies, but individuals do the same thing, just on a smaller scale, usually. It is how the world works. It is what people do. But in the Sermon on the Mount... Jesus calls his people to radical discipleship. Radical discipleship that surpasses the righteousness of the Pharisees. Matthew 6, 1 to 18 tells us something of what that radical discipleship involves. The disciples of Jesus are called to not do what everyone else does and their good deeds are to be different. How are they to be different? Well, Matthew 6, 1 to 18 talks about secret goodness. The good deeds of radical discipleship are generally secret. Verse 1 details the guiding principle that dominates these 18 verses. Have a look at verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them, if you do you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. The principle is that generally speaking, secret goodness and sincere uh, sincere good deeds are unseen ones. It means not doing your acts of righteousness before men. 
That is, you don't do them out in the open so that people can see and applaud. Instead, you do it on the quiet. And so it's all about being unseen. Now, that doesn't mean that if you do a good deed and you are seen, you're automatically insincere and uh, a fake. We can't use this verse to say, if I do this good deed, I'll be seen and therefore I won't do it because it'll be insincere. No, it's only when our aim, our goal is to be seen by others. You can see that in the verse. Look again at the verse. To be seen by them. That's a, a purpose description there, isn't it? What is your purpose in doing? Is your purpose to be seen? Well, then it's not sincere, is it? But if your purpose is otherwise, then it may well be sincere. Verse 1 also tells us that that insincerity of doing things in the open to be applauded by others has its price. The consequence is that God does not reward us. You'll miss out on your reward from your Father in heaven, he says. For God isn't as easily fooled as we humans are. He knows when we're sincere and he knows when we're not. He knows if we are sincere, for he will see us being careful to do our good deeds in a way that is mostly unseen. So now that Jesus has given us this guiding principle, you might like to call it sincere means unseen, he goes on to give three applications of this principle. And the first application is there in verses 2 to 4, and it relates to giving money. Verse 2 describes... First, how the Pharisees, the hypocrites, go about giving money. Look at verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So this is the generosity of the Pharisees and of general society and our society too. It is Sometimes how we would like to be giving, if we're going to be prepared to admit that. The kind of generosity that is not really generosity at all. For Jesus states, they have received their reward in full. If it's generosity, you don't receive a reward. And the reward that is there that you can see is the one of being, having the applause of the crowd and the good reputation it's the photo in the Golden Post, smiling as you hand over the great big check. You know those great big checks, don't you? You can see them in the Golden Post. Someone donates something, you know, to charity. You know? Such generosity, Jesus says, isn't sincere because it's done to be seen by others. And you receive that reward when people see it. So what is the sincere way to go about giving money? Well, verses 3 and 4 give us the answers. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Well, not surprisingly, because we've had that guiding principle before, we find out that sincere giving is unseen giving. That is, giving in secret is the way to go. 
the idea of your left hand not knowing what your right hand are doing, it doesn't mean that you are not communicating properly with each other or you're not being accountable for funds or incompetent with money. What it means is that you are as much as possible keeping things secret when you're giving away money. It's an emphasis here. It's so secret is it that people don't know. That you are keeping the knowledge that you are giving even from a part of yourself, if that were possible. That's how secret it is. So Jesus is emphasising how much it's about being not seen. And of course there are lots of practical ideas for us that we employ to make sure that our giving is unseen. Envelopes for offertory is a great thing, isn't it? No one knows what's in that envelope that you're tossing on the plate. It hides it. It's a great thing. Uh, Similarly, if you are putting uh, your giving online, well, only one person who reads the bank statement might see that, maybe, and that secret information that, that's privileged, so they, they can't tell anyone. So you may have impressed one person, but that's about it. So another good thing is to give to organisations. Organisations, generally speaking, like, say, CMS, BCA, or Operation Christmas Child, or Compassion, well, the praise that they give you is reasonably paltry. You, know, you get a nice form letter saying thank you. You don't get your name put up in lights, and rightly so. So the idea is that when we give, we give in a way that is different to the world. We give as secretly as we can. The second application of the principle that Jesus gives is in verses 5 to 15, and that relates to prayer. In verse 5, we're told how the hypocrites pray, again. Um, And that's how to not pray sincerely. You don't pray on the street corners or uh, in public places so that you can be seen. Note again that it is the purpose of the person praying that counts. It's not a ban on public prayer or corporate prayer, but it is a ban on exhibitionist prayer. That is, prayer where your motive is to be seen and have everyone think, wow, what a great spiritual person you are. So, if our motive is to be seen, again, it is insincere. And verse 6, in contrast, tells us how we should be praying. Have a look at verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So again, Jesus says the secret of this sincere way of praying is to be unseen as much as possible. If you are genuine in prayer, then your aim is not to be seen by other people. Your aim is to communicate to God. That's what you're doing it for. You don't need spectators to cheer you on. Indeed, it is good to protect your motives by praying where there is no one else around as much as possible. If no one is there to see you, then you can't win any applause, can you? 
Now, praying alone doesn't mean that you always have to be in a room by yourself. Uh, you can pray alone in your garden. You can pray alone when you're in the car, though please keep your eyes open. You can pray alone even when there is someone else there if you're sneaky enough. That's the key, really, to be secretive about it. For sincere prayer is unseen prayer. Now, of course, sometimes we have to pray in public. When we pray for someone who's unwell and we're with them, well, that's there partly to encourage them. It's not there to impress them. When we are praying our corporate prayers in church, the prayers that we have in common, our common prayers. In those instances, it's important that we don't pray show-off prayers. That is, prayers that make us look good, super spiritual prayers, prayers that in some way might be designed to impress others. In other words, those of us who pray in public need to watch our motives so that we're praying to communicate, not praying to impress our human hearers. And verse 7 gives us more advice on how not to pray sincerely. It tells us that we should not keep on babbling like pagans. And, and when we think, of, what does that phrase mean? Well, it means to speak in gibberish or uh, meaningless talk. It refers to trying to bully God into answering your prayer through weight of words or some technique. And that isn't sincere prayer because it doesn't treat God as God. That's the issue. It tries to exploit God or even to coerce God to get Him to do what we want Him to do. And verse 8 tells us that such an attitude is unnecessary anyway, as God already knows what we need. We don't need to try to coerce God into giving us what we need. He's only too keen to give us what we need. So why would we do that? And then in verses 9 to 13, Jesus gives us a model on how to pray. And we could spend a whole talk on the Lord's Prayer alone, which is good, because that's what we're doing next week. So if you say, oh, I'm really keen to hear more, that's next week. But at the moment, let's just note how simple and to the point that prayer is. It's the opposite of the babbling like pagans and trying to impress God with flowery language or impress other people. It's a good, simple, honest prayer, which is why it's good to pray. So, come back next week, and there'll be more on the Lord's Prayer. So, this model ends with a warning in verses 14 and 15. To pray sincerely, we must also be consistent. We cannot ask God to forgive us without forgiving those who sin against us. If we are sincere, then we must act towards others as we want God to act towards us. In verse 12, we ask God to forgive us. How then can we turn away those who come to us seeking forgiveness? Sincere prayer is consistent prayer. 
If our prayer is not sincere, then God will not hear it. And we will remain unforgiven. That's a hard saying, isn't it? But it's important. If our prayer is not sincere, God will not hear it. And we will remain unforgiven. Sincere prayer is consistent prayer. Now, friends, it will be worth asking ourselves, is that an issue for me at the moment? Is there someone in our church or someone that you know of that you won't forgive because of something done in the past? A former friend, a work colleague, someone in your family. Let me encourage you to deal with that issue. Forgive that person. Doesn't necessarily mean you trust them again with all the things you trusted with before. But forgive them. Make your peace with them if you can. For sincere prayer is consistent prayer. We who are forgiven ought to forgive others. The third and final application that Jesus gives to his guiding principle is regarding fasting. And once again, we're told how the hypocrites, the Pharisees, go about fasting. In verse 16, they make a great show of their fasting. They make sure of their reward by altering their appearance so that everyone can see their piety, how godly, how devout they are. But the sincere way to fast for us is in verses 17 and 18. And these verses describe sincere fasting as unseen fasting. Indeed, the sincere faster goes out of their way to avoid people guessing that they're fasting. Now, putting oil on your head and washing your face may sound a bit odd to us in the 21st century. It would seem to us that you would stand out even more if you put a whole lot of olive oil on your head. But back then, that was the thing you did when you were going out for dinner. It would be the equivalent of putting on your makeup and perfume. That's what you would do if you were going out to dinner. And the aim is to make sure that no one guesses that you are fasting. And that way, there is no approval from others. For no one else knows except God, that is. Sincere fasting is unseen fasting. So, friends, a passage like this ought to make all of us reflect on the things we do. Are our acts of righteousness done in order to be seen by others? Are we playing to the crowd? If that's us, then radical discipleship demands radical action. For as God's saved people, we are called to not live as everyone else lives. The world who doesn't believe in God, of course they're going to play to the crowd. They're going to be there with their novelty-sized checks for all they're worth. 
Because for them, this life is all there is. And we cannot expect more from US tobacco societies or society in general. And that's all they know and all they hope in. But we who are saved by God's great work in Jesus, we who are God's people, holy and separate, well, we ought to stop playing to the crowd and start playing to God alone. For sincere means generally unseen. And those who are sincere gain the Father's reward. And what's the reward? Is it salvation heaven? No. But it is the pleasure of the one who has saved us. And that is amazing. Those who aren't sincere, friends, have already gotten all the reward they will ever get. They are paid in full. Which reward are we going to go for? Hmm. Let's choose wisely, friends, and in a way that honours Christ. For he will see what we do as quietly and secretly, secretively as possible. All those good deeds, he will see them. And he who has saved us will be pleased. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you that your son Jesus came and saved us. And we thank you that he now calls us to a radically different way to live. A way where when we do good, we don't announce it or show off. But rather, Lord, we do good in order to bless others and to please you. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would so change our hearts that our lives would reflect that. That we would live lives of quiet but effective good deeds so that we may please you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.